Hello, I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp. Welcome to the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of biohacking, spirituality, wealth, and self-development. Join me in exploring paths to health sovereignty, freedom, and ultimate well-being with the experts, teachers, and guides who are leading the revolution. Hi, beautiful ones. I hope you're having a wonderful week. I am. I've been in wedding planning mode. We are two months out. Insert sweating emoji here. And I've been busy with classes as I am working on adding a deeper layer to the Biohack Your Beauty brand and becoming a certified image consultant. So I'm currently diving into color analysis and how we can use colors to enhance and emulate our own unique beauty. And I'm loving it. It is fascinating. And I will be sharing an episode all about colors very soon. So send me a message on Instagram if this is something that you're interested in listening to. And today's episode is all about honoring your full expression of visual astrology and how the biodynamic calendar can help you thrive in your personal life, in business, in motherhood, and in community. Janan Derso joins me today to talk about how the moon affects our bodies, how we can harness the power of the cosmos, the elements in the biodynamic calendar, and how to utilize them in our daily lives, all about the 13th moon and how to harness her power. If you thought there were only 12, guess what? There's the 13th how we can shift our spirituality from a mental concept to embodiment. Because for so many of us, spirituality is still a mental concept more than we are actually embodying spirituality. Utilizing the biodynamic calendar to thrive in business and entrepreneurship, how we can truly enjoy the mundane tasks of life, and so much more. Janan mentors spiritual entrepreneurs who want to shift the way they are anchored into each day. She shows you how to harness cosmic energy with biodynamic calendars, moon phases, and other power tools. This is a powerful and transformative conversation, and you will fall in love with Janan and her sacred wisdom. So get ready to take some notes, my loves. On to the show. Hello, Janan. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm very excited for our conversation today. Janan is one of my favorite people, and I got to know her this last year, and I already said this to her, but it has been one of the greatest gifts to get to know her and learn from her. She has so much wisdom and so much love. So I'm really excited to share her with all of you. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I truly feel honored. Well, I'd love to begin by talking a little bit about your journey and how you came to this 
beautiful place in your life where you're now sharing all of these wonderful gifts and ideas with the world. I honestly felt like as a very young child, I was always asking crazy questions and searching for answers and looking for truth and spending my time by the creek side in the woods and laying down on the grass, looking up at the sky. I quickly got on the path of studying religions because that was what was presented as spirituality outside of my family. And as I followed this path and dove into each one and practiced them and learned them and studied them, my desire to seek truth and ancient origin and creation stories brought me into my body. It brought me into how to feel and experience the earth, the water, the fire, the air, and then this very mysterious element called ether in my body. And I ended up going to bodywork school because I had to learn palpation. I had to learn anatomy, kinesiology, physiology. I wanted to know how everything worked inside and out. So first I studied the spiritual, have a Pisces South Node. (laughs) And then I got really embodied in my 20s and practiced body work for 20 years. And I've retired from that. And now I'm in this place of really taking these ancient spiritual truths and bringing them to other people's bodies so that other people can study for themselves and hear them and listen and feel what it feels like in their body. Because that's what I find is called embodied truth, not just rhetoric. It's not something somebody's told you. So now you adopt it and you practice this custom or this ritual because everybody's done it. But it is true knowledge of self. And you talked about how when you were younger, you would lay in the grass, you would look up at the stars. So how does nature weave into that truth? Mm, it's so beautiful. One day, a couple of months ago, my daughter asked me, when you were my age, what do you do want to be when you grow up? And I chuckled because I honestly hadn't asked myself this question, right? Because we're encouraged to stay so practical when we become mothers. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I wanted to be an astronomer. And she looked at me sideways and she said, well, you kind of are. And I laughed because She's such a reflection of the truth for me. I use astronomy, which is different from astrology and Western astrology. And that distinction has brought me down further in my path of inquiry into who said, why, what was their intention? What's their story? What's their agenda? And do I really fit that sun sign? (laughs) yeah this this understanding of elements in my body came from this knowledge base that the moon is affecting our bodies the moon is affecting the earth we see this as evidence in the tides and no one can dispute that 
right? You cannot dispute visible knowledge. So these thoughts around the cosmos and the constellations affecting earth and earthlings and earthlings that plant things is the biodynamic presence. So that's this theory that whatever the moon is doing in the constellations moving through these star categories that humans have named, they are actually affecting the plants. And so when we harmonize with that scientific understanding, we can grow food that has the most vibrancy, the most storage for later when we want to eat it, um, the least amount of pests, the, the most divine alignment for our food. And to me, one of my biggest truths is making sure that children, especially in the future generations, have access to good, clean food and water. So they're very linked, this, this cosmic understanding into why it even matters that we study and embody the science of growing good, clean food is because the constellations and the larger cosmos play a role in what element informs us, oh, right, today is a water day. I will work with certain plants or do certain tasks in my home or certain things in my business. Right. And so this is what I've really been developing out in my study is how do we take something as simple as planting a basil plant and transferring that wisdom into all of your daily actions? Because we are very much in common with a basil plant. <laughs> I love it. And so what are the kinds of days you mentioned a water day. What are the other, are there, is there like an air day? Is there only four elements? How does that work? What does that look like? So the biodynamic calendar took into consideration 12 constellations. This was an old truth that many people clung to for the last, especially the last 2,200 years. And these main elements would be earth, which is seen in the root vegetables, water, which is seen in our leafy vegetables, air, which is seen in our flowers or our flowering vegetables. There's only very few, so it's mostly flowers. <laughs> and then fire, which is found in our fruit vegetables. And I do see people get a little confused in this one because you wouldn't think something like a legume, for example, is a fruit but it's the part of the plant that you harvest to eat, right? So when you're growing a potato, you're not eating its leaves above ground. You're actually eating that bottom vessel of the potato. So that's the lens of the biodynamic calendar and the elements. In my own body wisdom and my experience with biodynamic farming, there's these other windows that are called gray days that are inhospitable for gardening. So basically, the calendar will say, don't farm today. Please go inside, farmer. Take a rest, right? And I loved this. How many of us need permission to stop action and go inside 
and be grateful, right? So when I drew my next lens in around the indigenous cultures and the time before 2,200 years ago, there is a beautiful understanding in the Native American traditions here where the turtle and her back depicts a calendar of time. She has 13 big parts to her shell, which represent the 13 moons. And different tribes have different names of each of these 13 moons, right? And a woman who is moving in accordance with the moon has 13 moon cycles with her own mothering time. And then on the outside rim of a turtle, there's 28 smaller parts, which represent the days. So there's 27 and a half to 28 days per moon cycle. So to me, when I looked up at the sky, I searched for that 13th moon. Where is she? She has all these names. What is she? Where is she? And so it's in this line of questioning and inquiry that I brought this 13th moon, which is actually the ninth moon where she slides in and the wheel into the biodynamic calendar. Her name is Ophiuchus and she slides in right after Scorpio and right before Sagittarius. And for me, she is a time of those same gray days, which I embody as the element ether. And ether in the Ayurvedic tradition is ruled here in the throat chakra. And she is represented by space, right? The cosmic origin, the, the space between each breath, right? As we breathe, there's this in and this out, but we all know there's this little stillness that happens. And so the more I investigated this truth and this embodiment of ether and the lacing of the 13 constellations and the five elements into this system that was created in the last century, I really felt like I had not only the, the honor, but it was actually that I had the right to reweave these other mathematical sacred numbers into this system because we need to look at the past in order to allow its wisdom to come back in. There's been so many layers of truths being stopped or hidden, or if you said these things, you were persecuted, right? And it's this veil has been released and the truth gets to rise back up and you can go outside. And if you're an astronomer, you can look with your naked eyes and see the planets and see the constellations and see it happening. If you need an app, there's an app, right? There's ways that we can now in this century see what is visible. And we live in a very interesting time because there is, like you said, so much information. And yet in some ways it feels like we're not very grounded in any of that knowledge. We're constantly changing our minds. And in a way, it feels like we're very flighty when it comes to the esoteric, when it comes to, we could like, quote unquote, spirituality. Yeah, the practice of embodying spirituality, that's really this 
system in a good way system, not the system, but systems approach, holistic thinking systems is a way to figure out, oh, today's a water day. I'm not a farmer. I'm not going to go plant a basil plant right now. What can I do that helps me embody water? So this might be a great day for mopping your floors. Nobody wants to mop all the time. (laughs) So there's specific windows where the moon is highlighting this energy and her essence in water, right? It might be a day where you want to go to the beach or the river. It might be the day where you want to sit and process some emotions that have been stirring up inside of you. It's the day you want to drink your yummy tea that you love. Like I have this app be biodynamic that really goes into the details of how to embody each element because it is so vast. And when the creative mind turns on, you can really go for it and be all in the depths of every single action you take can become elementally aligned. And to me, this is the path out of stress out of oppression, out of deceit, out of overwhelm, like you name it, right? Creating order in that chaos, in that flightiness that you are referring to is extremely grounding because now you're embodying elements and they're doing the heavy lifting and you become this beautiful vessel that allows things to flow through you and you don't hold on to it. You don't have to become it. But you can use the information so that your organs can be your organs and serve you that way, right? So that your heart pumps for you. And that's been a huge switch in this latter part of my life. And what I've learned from motherhood is how not to take on everybody else's stuff (laughs) and allow my body to truly serve me first. And I believe that when we look at the elements, they're here to really mother us. And then we get to just have fun. And we get to have fun. I love it. More joy. (laughs) Experience life. That's what we were here to do as humans. Mm -hmm. Not to be all caught up in all the drama and the trauma and the hardship and the work and the bill and the ah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love it. And I say this all the time on the podcast. I think I'm like a broken record, but we are really designed to live with nature. Like we're designed to interact with nature. We're designed to constantly, uh, like have this very intimate relationship with nature. And we've really moved away from that in our current lifestyle and culture. And I think there's this beautiful calling back to nature. Like we are really being pulled back to this entity that we're designed to evolve with. And I love that this is really what so much of what you're illustrating is that actually the answers to all the questions are in nature. They're in this beautiful harmonized system that we just have to tap into. And I'd love to hear a little more about the app because that I think is really cool to think about is that you don't necessarily have to have all of the astronomical information. You can just use this tool that you've created. So how does this app work? 
Yeah. I needed like five apps to make my app. <laughs> so I hear you. It's not easy. Um, but I do the hard part for you. I have all of the timings calculated. And when you open the app, you can click on that day. It will tell you the element that's in charge. And then there's 15 categories of how you would potentially actualize this in your garden, in your business, in your household, at your altar when you're praying. Like there's seven topics inside each. So it will keep you busy. You really only need to choose one in a given time period. I made um, meditations so that each element is also an embodied practice. I also made gem and flower essences. So if people get stuck in an element and they're like, wow, I do not have a good relationship with water. How do I work through this? The meditation and the gem and flower essence really help to recreate harmony with that element. You know, because when you meet people, you'll be like, oh, they're very flowy or, oh, they're very earthy or, you know, we, we, we throw these words around and the app will help you not only gain a deeper connection with each of the five elements, but will give you tools to transform and contemplate where you're stuck. And then there's another tab because the moon phases are also an extremely helpful support tool. And so if people want to follow along with the phase of the moon, they can also actualize that rhythm in their life. And within that one, there's contemplations for you to work with a goal in 28 days. I am not a new moon goal setter. So that's a very different thing. And I use nine moon phases instead of the traditional eight phases. So both of these are in there. They get their own tabs. You can do them side by side. The moon phases is really three to four days for each phase, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more. She's fluid. She moves. We go with her. And so there's these two aspects of how to keep track of time. And that's really what the app is inviting in is how the sun, the moon, and the stars are our ancient timekeepers. And before we had appointments where you had to be at the dentist at 10 o'clock on Tuesday, <laughs> or right, all of these kind of uh, collective gathering, because that's what that is, right? We, we know why we need appointments. I don't need to go into that. But before those days where you would just say to your friend, I'll meet you on the full moon and we'll drum together, right? We used the sun, the moon, and the stars as our timekeepers, as our navigators, as our compass. And so this is a modern way to return to that origin, and I believe that the more we return to our original blueprint, yeah, again, then we get to tap into the joy, the peace, the tranquility. And these are those feelings most people, when you ask them how they want to feel, this would be their goal, right? But by and large, a lot of people are stuck in the other emotions because of that appointment at 10 o'clock on the Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's so interesting that you said water as well, because I have no water in my, in my horoscope, in my chart. Like I have only air, earth and fire. 
So I wonder how does this differ then from astrology? Because there's a lot of people who that's kind of how they move through life and maybe not even from an expert level, but just kind of what they've been told about their sun sign, their moon sign, right? So how does this biodynamic way of living differ or how um, is it related or unrelated to astrology? Wonderful question. (laughs) And it could be very freeing. So caveat, this might change your life or at least your mind. (laughs) And at the very least, the perspective of yourself that somebody else has placed upon you. Because yes, reading your horoscope in a newspaper, which is what people used to do, that's where they were written, right? Is like very old. This is an old practice that they've been doing. So the main difference between the biodynamic calendar uses the sidereal wheel. And Western astrology uses a different wheel. And once upon a time, they were the same. So there's the astrological wheel and the astronomical wheel is the other name for the sidereal wheel. 2,200 years ago, they had the same start date and everything was going fine. But what happened is there's this thing called processions. Everything is moving in space. Even though we feel like we're staying still, everything is moving. And so every 77 years, the constellations were a degree different. So when you do the math, it ended up actually that the two wheels are a whole constellation sign off. So I wouldn't quickly jump to say if you're a this, you become a that because it's not quite that cut and dry because there's another thing that makes it different. In the Western astrology, each of those 12 zodiac signs, right? Because they only use 12, is 30 degrees. Because 12 is divisible. To not get too deep into the past, 12 is divisible by 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 12. It's very easy to cut and dice. So this could make their nice four even seasons, which are each three months long. Aries begins with spring equinox. That is zero degrees. That's how they've decided. This is how time goes. Nice and pretty and easy and mathematical to calculate. However, every constellation is not the same size. They aren't all 30 degrees. Taurus is actually a very large constellation. Virgo is very large. Libra is small. Scorpio is small. Ophiuchus is small, right? And so when you look in the sky as an astronomical perspective, all the constellations aren't the same size. So then how does the moon move through them all for the same exact duration of time? She just doesn't. But, you know, that other system that's been in charge for the last 2,000 years, they really like things that are clean cut and easy to divide. So from their perspective, by making everything, each constellation 30 degrees, it made the whole wheel work out, right? Nice and easy okay so the visible sky we're going to go back to the beginning that the dereal wheel uses and astronomers use is based on aries begins when you see aries 
So it's not the same as when spring equinox begins. That's not what determines Aries is zero degrees. Like this year, when they said spring began, it didn't mean Aries began. I love spring. Spring equinox, great. But it's not when Aries starts. So you wait until you see Aries. When Aries is visible and the moon and the sun separately, but it's the same if it's a new moon. When they move into Aries, Aries has begun. So everything is calculated on what is happening in the visible sky with the sidereal calendar. Because if you're going to grow that basil plant, you want to make sure the moon is in its water signs. So either Pisces, Cancer, or Scorpio. But if you're following both worlds, which I tried to do, late, like I really did. I tried to dance in both worlds and hang out with the little women's group who was like, yeah, it's a full moon in Scorpio. And I'd be like, oh, my God, but I didn't plant any of my leaf things today in the garden. Like it was creating a lot of like inner conflict of why did I have to be in two worlds when I just couldn't. So those are two big distinctions is the visible sky, the airy start date, and then the size of each constellation being different. So the biodynamic calendar in its old fashion and in my interpretation, both of these are true. And then the third piece that I've woven back in is to have 13 constellations honored because the moon does move through 13 and it's really easy on the wheel to pop that in because they kind of share a window because they're smaller constellations and the fifth element. So those would be the distinctions. Does that feel grounded? Wow. That's incredible. And it's also for a lot of us like, oh my God, we've had all of this kind of uh, the system that we've been abiding by for so long, especially like I'm a Taurus. I have a Taurus moon. I'm a Leo rising, right? And so then it's really asking us to kind of think more critically and question what we've been taught and what we've been told, but also it can be very liberating to think about, right? Because if we are moving with nature, nature is always abundant. It's always growing. It's always evolving. It's always adapting. And so it kind of frees us in many ways. It allows us to do the same. I agree. It's extremely liberating. How many things were we told as children that didn't actually feel true to us, but we went along with it. And so for some listeners, that might be their sun sign. I found it very liberating to not have to be my Western sun sign anymore and to get to honor my full sidereal expression of visible astrology. It is not to say that anything isn't accurate. Everybody gets to have their own choices, right? Live your life, enjoy it, make it wonderful. This is a presentation of what's visible in the sky. And if what's visible feels accurate to you, then that's the invitation, right? Yeah, I love that. And so then how does this weave into entrepreneurship? When it comes to, like we, you said, like maybe you're not a farmer, maybe you're not planting seeds or flowers. How can this knowledge and wisdom help us to thrive within business? Wonderful. So I have found that the garden metaphor is very helpful in entrepreneurship. 
because you have more flexibility with your time and there's not somebody telling you what to do all day, um, the embodiment of spiritual principles or I feel like I need to put my feet up right now. I'm going to go do that for 15 minutes becomes an option. So when you're looking at the moon phases, that's a really great way to set a business goal. The fiscal month might overlap, and it usually does, differently than the moon's month and the gestation of a seed, which I call your goal, all the way into fruition. But every three days, you get a prompt that you get to contemplate on this business goal or even a health goal of how you want to move through planting it into the fertile soil, clearing out what's in the way, gathering new tools since your basket was empty, and then budding into the possibility as acting like you've already achieved the business goal, then flowering and attracting all the bees, and then fruiting this beautiful, delicious fruit, and then the harvest phase where you pick the fruit because they're ripe and a, a fruit that's picked out of season. We all know how that tastes. It's either too early or too late or just on time. So this process really encourages you to look at those fruits. And then you have the compost phase. What didn't serve you for that goal goes back to the earth. Nothing is wasted in nature. And you can compost the trauma, the pain, whatever came up as you are working with this goal, whatever business goal you had, and sometimes they don't always work out or you change directions, right? And you get to sit in peace at the end. And so that's the ninth phase that I've added in. We're honoring that there's a beginning and an end and right in between the two, there's a still point. And so that piece is the middle and that's the foundation for working with any goal in business is having that little time to okay, how did this go? And returning into all of the potential again. Mm. So then in the actual business tab of the element power, we look at elements correspond to different business actions. So a fire day would be you really working on your passion projects, which might not be your highest money maker, or maybe they are, right? But really tuning into what fires you up about your business. Uh, air day would be financial things. Those are great times to work with your budget, to look at your ad spending costs, to think about who inspires you in business. What kind of influencers do you want to surround yourself with? Water days would be more checking in with your team. How's everybody feeling? Let me get a pulse. What's going on? You're going to focus more on connecting to how you feel in your business. Are these projects really working out for me? Right. And then the earth time is very much about your, your structure of your business. How do I have this funnel set up? Do I have all the bits and bobs in my email series? So I really walk through a lot of those details. And then ether, as much as it's a time for no action, it's also a beautiful time to meditate around aspects of your business or go for a stillness walk where you're really calling in the information 
that's available in the information field? And what do your angels have to say or your ancestors? Or how can you be guided in your business beyond yourself to really feel connected to the overall picture? This is beautiful. And it, it feels very energetically aligned. Like we talk about manifestation or manifesting success. And I feel like this is very in alignment with energetics and frequencies as well. It's a way to tap into the support that is actually surrounding us. And we just have to align with that support. And ask for help, Mm. right? Sometimes people push through their day and they forget that we are actually supported by nature. We aren't working against it she's here for us. And, and it's like, you know, beginner herbalists learn that, like, did I ask the plant for help? Or, you know, did you ask your friend for help? You can't expect things to just show up and read your mind. There has to be a systematic approach so that things can come from the idea into the manifestation. There's this whole beautiful process that happens in between I want 10K months and you getting 10K months. So this approach really aligns the embodied elements into helping you do that or guiding you to do that or and using the moon phases to support you and be guided by a celestial timekeeper. Mm, Manifestation that. becomes more an embodied practice. Mm. And that's the beauty of being in the 3D, right? Like we get to embody. That's the fun part. It's like the delicious part. Yeah. You get to taste those yummy fruits that you harvested. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and one thing you touch on is the mundane, the mundane tasks. And I'd love to just touch on that as well, because for, I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast, those mundane tasks can feel overwhelming or mundane. So maybe you can touch on that and and why those tasks are actually a really beautiful piece of our lives. I learned to treat the mundane tasks as a holy assignment from God because it's through the mundane that we can incorporate ritual where folding the laundry becomes a gratitude that you have clean clothes, right? Where weeding becomes a cleaning out of the mind of what isn't serving your highest growth and potential, whether that's physical or metaphoric, right? The mundane tasks, when they get too dull, right? We have to find a new way to work them in so that again, we can tap into that peace, the joy, the tranquility and having to only do my laundry on water days is so liberating. I've got to tell you, I look at the element, I'm like, nope, it's earth day, not doing laundry folks. (laughs) That allows there to be more joy and fun with it. And it allows me to step into how am I being most supported to show up for the world today? How does the mundane become service? How does something that could be 
simple or boring become spiritual and holy. And when you honor life, that to me is really the energy that shifts inside of you. If I know that on an earth day, when I vacuum and clean that carpet, that then we can sit on the carpet. Granted, I have a moon in Virgo. There's something so delicious to me about a clean space, right? So knowing what your true or visible astrology signs are in your chart might help you find a deeper connection to why you might want things a certain way, or you are more inclined to like, my space must look beautiful versus I'm super happy to have it clean. <laughs> that see, and I'm the beautiful because I'm like obsessed with making spaces beautiful. And I and I I don't know if it's because my Taurus placements, but I have identified that as being one of the reasons because it makes a lot of sense. Just resonates. Yeah. And so that's your path out of dull. Yeah. Because your your higher self is in love with beauty. And so it's like, but if we just make this so beautiful, then I want to be in the space and they want to be in the space and we have a ceremony in the space and it feels great. And so this path of devotion is really what we're talking about, right? That where we transform the dull because we're devoted to what happens from that task. Mm. And so the Moving the mundane to the dull is the art of transformation, truly. And it's not always going to feel like that. Sometimes you take a deep breath and you do the thing. My other tool for that is to alternate tasks. So if there's certain things on your list that you don't feel as excited about doing, that you the next task is something you feel really excited about. And so my kids know I will motivate when we clean because we do clean together as a family that there will be a yummy treat after. <laughs> a yummy treat always makes it worth it. And what you're doing is you're inviting joy back in. So you're not stacking hard task on dull task on grindy task. Instead, you're using the in breath and the out breath like I'm inside. Now I'm going to go for a walk outside. And so all of these tools I put in the app because we didn't get taught them in kindergarten. You know, we didn't get taught them in high school. We didn't learn how in farming, they would call it crop rotation. But in, in our private world, it's like alternating tasks. Don't keep putting everything in that same exact soil because it becomes unfertile. So mm -hmm. how do we keep moving energy around so that things stay fluorescent? That's the true city of dullness. And you mentioned motherhood too, and it feels like a really beautiful tool for motherhood as well. Definitely. My pillars are spirituality, business, and motherhood. And motherhood is the way that I've honestly learned all this. It is been for me the source of my truest selfless and then self-full right? Because they're the two sides of the same coin, loving myself, mothering myself. I learned as I was a mother, it was almost like I couldn't learn how to truly do self-care and self-love until I became a mother. Mm. Because when you don't have the same time equation, <laughs> <laughs> you learn to get really creative and you learn to weave and stack functions in a way that becomes spiritual. 
So yeah, those three things, the way that I raise my children is also through this deep inquiry and my children's values are steeped in some of these things that we're talking about today. And even my daughter was around a group of girls who told her to choose an animal and an element. And so she chose the ether jaguar and they tried to tell her ether wasn't an element. And she was like, oh, my mom says it is. And this is what ether is. And we talked about it later. And I was like, love, you're always going to meet people that don't have the same knowledge as you. And that doesn't mean your knowledge isn't still your knowledge. Like you have to develop conviction to your truth and they may or may not want to learn that truth from you. That's not always your job to be the teacher of the truth. But this, my motherhood pillow, pillar and pillow, we like to fluff the pillows around here, is to very much um, nurture and nourish truth seekers. I allow them to question me. You know, it isn't just so because mom says so. Ether isn't an element because I say so, right? That becomes a rule, which isn't actually steeped in a value. And so my motherhood is very much sharing values and giving the long explanation as they get older. I do not do that to a three-year-old, but mm-hmm. as they get older, because they do have bigger aged children now, that there is this line of questioning and answering this call and response to elicit the cell activation in the body, right? We're getting ourselves talking to each other. And that's what I encourage in my children is to activate all their potential. No cell will be dormant so that they can reach what they're here to do in this life. And I'm here to support that. Mm. Beautiful. So on the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, we ask every guest three questions. The first question is, what is your definition of beauty? Mm -hmm. Beauty is the emanation of your values. What is your favorite inner or outer beauty tip? for our listeners. I do love my Healy. (laughs) (laughs) Frequency is everything to me. It is the easiest way because I'm all about less effort. Trust me in motherhood. (laughs) It is the easiest way to move emotions out of my organs, out of my cells, out of the room, right? With the Meg Healy. I love making things easy on myself. I love power tools that just offer simple support. I love mine too. It is the best. Yes, it is amazing. I agree. It's such a good beauty tool. And it's inner. I think it counts for both inner and outer. Counts for both. Yeah. And the last question is, where can people find you? Sure. I'm on Instagram and it's b.biodynamic. My new app is out and that I can put the link in for you because it's not in the app store. I have my own private app world (laughs) so that I can maintain more of my rights and economics. And I have a website called hibiscushealing.com. Amazing. We'll put all the links in the show notes. 
Thank you so much for this beautiful transmission. I am so grateful. I cannot wait to share it with the world. Thank you, love. You are amazing inside and out. Same.